Welcome to Pontifex. I'm Fry. And I'm Brie, ranking all of the popes from Peter to Francis. But we're not doing that today. We're bringing you a bonus episode to accompany our current pope, Pope Urban I, because we are going to read the story that he ends up in by Geoffrey Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales. So we've been just talking about this this week. The episode is up. You've had time to find out that that's what's happening. This is not a spoiler. (laughs) But yeah, we're going to read the second nun's tale from the Canterbury Tales. So hopefully you enjoy. You should probably tell us who the f*** Geoffrey Chaucer is. Well, it's right here in the document. Geoffrey Chaucer lived from 1343 to 1400. He is an English poet known as the most important writer of Middle English. His Canterbury Tales from 1380 are told by traveling pilgrims who meet at a tavern and have a storytelling contest to pass the time. Now, what's important about this document, if you've not taken this in a lit class, is Chaucer is one of the first writers to write in English vernacular, which means he wrote the way that people spoke. It's not like formal written language you know how the way that we read latin is not how people would have spoken latin and english used to be that way as well so he is one of the very first people to write in a vernacular tongue that people would have actually spoken with so it's very conversational and we we are going to be reading a translation here so this is not the direct way that it would have been written in the text if you read it in old english It can be a lot more complicated, and I'm being nice to you so that we can read it in a way that will actually make sense as we read the words. Here we go. We are going to start with the prologue of the second nun's tale, and this introduces the character who is telling the story, the second nun. She accompanies the prioress, who is another character who tells the story. There are many people who tell stories in this. And then we will get into it. Here is the prologue to the second nun's tale. That servant and that nurse unto the vices, which men do call in English idleness. (laughs) Already we're off to a great start. Someone's idle, not doing shit. Portress at pleasure's gate by all advices, we should avoid and by her foe express, that is to say, by lawful busyness, we ought to live with resolute intent, lest by the fiend through sloth we should rent. What are we renting? Sloth. <laughs> How much does sloth go for a month? Don't be lazy, get busy. Apparently. For he that with his thousand cords and sly continually awaits us all to trap. When he a man and idleness may spy, he easily the hidden snare will snap. Until the man has met the foul mishap, he is not aware the fiend has him in hand. We ought to work in idleness withstand. And though men never dreaded they must die, yet men see well by reason idleness is nothing more than rotten sluggardry, whereof comes never good one may possess. I am so glad that I have, like, a bad fic background, because none of these are actual sentences. (laughs) No. No, they're not. I've had so much practice reading just misspellings. Mm Mm-hmm. Rebecca Swanson. (laughs) Why gun when you can just just not not gun? gun. We're not explaining that. 
Nope. And sea sloths hold her in a leash, no less. Only to sleep and eat and always drink, and to absorb all gain of others' swink. And so, to save us from such idleness, through which great trouble and distress have grown, I have here done my faithful busyness. Business? <laughs> Is it business? <laughs> it's business. You sure it's not <laughs> busyness? Busyness is business. <laughs> Think of how busyness is spelled. This one has a Y. This is like a suburban white mom adding extra Ys to her child's name. Mm-hmm. So much of that. Translating the old legend to make known all of that glorious life which was thine own. Thou ever with the rose and lily crowned, Cecilia for virtue's high renown. Invocatio ad Mariam. You got very serious when it turned to Latin. I don't speak Latin. And thou that art the flower of virgins all, of whom St. Bernard loves so well to write, to thee at my beginnings do I call, thou comfort of us wretches, help me indite thy maiden's death, who won through her merit the eternal life, and from the fiend such glory as men may read hereafter in her story. Thou maiden mother, daughter of thy son, thou well of Ruth, of sinful souls the cure, in whom for goodness God was embryon. Thou humble one, high over each creature, thou didst ennoble so far our nature, that no disdain God had of humankind, his son in blood and flesh to clothe and wind. Are you telling me that people talk like this? Oh, you should see the original. It is so much worse. <laughs> Within the blessed cloister of thy sides took human shape eternal love and peace, who all the threefold world as sovereign guides, whom earth and sea and heaven without cease do praise, O thou, O stainless maid, increase bore of thy body, and wert kept a maid, thy mighty God, who every creature made. Assembled is in thee my magnificence, with mercy, goodness, and with such pity, that thou, who art the son of excellence, not only keepest those who pay to thee, but oftentimes of thy benignity. Freely, or ever men thy help beseech, thou goest before, and art their spirits leech. Now help, thou meek and blessed, thou fair maid, me, banished wretch, in wilderness of Gaul. Think of how the Canaanitish woman said, that even dogs may eat the crumbs of all, which from master's laden table fall, and though I now, unworthy son of Eve, am sinful, yet accept me who believe. And since all faith is dead, divorced from works, that I may do the right. O oh, give me space to free me from that darkness of deep murks. O oh, thou who art so fair and full of grace, be thou my advocate in that high place, where, without ever, end is sung, Hosanna, thou mother of Christ and daughter of Saint Anna. And thy light my soul illuminate, that troubled is by the contagion's wound, here in my body, also by the weight. Of earthly lusts and false loves I have known, O haven of refuge, O salvation shown, to those who are in sorrow and distress, now help for my to work I'll me address. Yet pray I all who read what I do write, forgive me that I do no diligence, by subtle change to make the story right, for I have taken both the words and sense from him who wrote the tale and reverence. Of this one saint, I'll follow her legend, and pray you will my work amend. Interpretatio nominis Ceciliae, quam ponet frater Jacobus. In Neusis, in Legenda Aurea, which means in the Golden Legend, which is something we'll deal with later. First would I you the name of Saint Cecilia. <laughs> no, you would not. <laughs> <laughs> Expound as men may in her story see, 
It is to say in English, heaven's lily, symbol of pure and virgin chastity. Or, since she had the white of modesty and green of good conscience and good fame, the savor sweet so lily was her name. Or else Cecilia means path for the blind, for she example was by good teaching. Or else Cecilia, as I written find, is made after a manner of joining of heaven and Leah, and in figuring the heaven is put for thought of holiness, and Leah for enduring business. Ah, <sighs> make up your mind. Cecilia may mean too, ah, oh, you still haven't made up your mind. In this wise lacking in blindness, for her shining light of sapience, and for good qualities, or else behold this maiden's name so bright from heaven and Leos comes for which by right men might well might her the heaven of people call example of good and wise works unto all. Leos is folk in English, so to say, and just as men may in the heavens see the sun and moon and stars strewn every way, just so men ghostly in this maiden free see her faith the magnanimity and the whole glory of her sapience, and many actions bright of excellence. And just as these philosophers do write, that heaven is round and moving and burning. That got intense really quick. Just so was fair Cecilia the White. <laughs> she was round and moving and burning. Remember, they put her in the cauldron. Yep, I just... Uh, thank you for that. Eager and busy, ever in good working, large and wholehearted, steadfast in each thing, and shining ever in charity full bright. Now have I told you of her name. All right? Or is it all right? All right? All right? Explicit. The end. (laughs) (laughs) This is all written in couplets, and so that's why the language is a little bit switched around. Now we will get into the actual second nun's tale of the life of St. Cecilia. This maiden bright Cecilia of her life saith, was Roman born and of a noble kind, and from the cradle tutored in the faith of Christ and bore his gospel in her mind. She never ceased, as written I do find, to pray to God and love him and to dread beseeching him to keep her maidenhead. And when this maiden must unto a man be wedded, who was young a man in age, and who had to his name Valerian. And when the day had come for her marriage, she, meek of heart, devout, and ever sage, under her robe of gold, well made and fair, had next to her a body placed a shirt of hair. Oh, oh, yuck. Okay. Oh, okay. A hair shirt is something that was used as a method of, like, self-chastisement, as, like, a way to purify the body for sin, like, for sins committed, so... It was worn against the body because it was itchy and uncomfortable, so it was a form of, like, ongoing penance. It's a symbol of, like, extreme piety that will continue throughout the church. Hate that. And while the organ made its melody, I assume a pipe organ and not, like, the penis that she's ignoring. It could go either way, find out. To God alone within her heart sang she, O Lord, my soul and body guide to the unsoiled lest I in spirit ruined be. And for his love who died upon a tree, each second or third day she used to fast, and ever prayed till the day was past. The night came, and to the bed she must be gone, with her young husband, but she had no fear, and privately to him she said anon, 
Oh, sweet and well-beloved spouse so dear, there is a secret, if you will to hear, which I am fain enough to you to say, so that you swear to me you'll not betray. Valerian to her his oath did swear, that evermore, whatever thing might be, he never would betray what she said there, and so beginning straightway thus said she, I have an angel lover that loves me. And with a great love, whether I wake or sleep, he will my body ever guard and keep. And if he feels, and this is truth, she said, that you will touch or love me vulgarly, at once he'll slay and leave you with the dead, and in your days of youth, thus you die. And if you love me cleanly, so say I, he'll love you as now me for your cleanness, and show you all his joy and his brightness. Valerian, checked thus as God would mold, replied, If I'm to trust you, let me see that angel in my eyes, and him behold. And if that a very angel be, then I will do as you have asked of me. And if you love another man, forsooth, write with this sword, then I will slay you both. We really need to put that article about that lady who is like, we got married and our chastity is ongoing, even in marriage. And the husband's like, every night I eat a whole raw potato to get the horny thoughts out of my head. Oh my god, I have not seen this article. <laughs> That's all that entire exchange reminds me of. Just Valerian is going to walk into the kitchen and grab a potato and eat it raw. Cecilia replied right in this wise, If you so wish that angel shall you see. So you believe in Christ and you baptize. Go forth to Via Appia, she said. That from this town is distant but miles three, and to the poor folk who in that place dwell, say to them what I'll now proceed to tell. Tell them that I, Cecilia, have sent you to the good man Urban, who is old, for secret need and with a good intent. And when this holy Urban you behold, tell him the thing that I to you have told. And when he shall have purged you of your sin, that angel shall you see, ere thence you win. Valerian to that place got him gone. Valerian f***ed <laughs> on off. Get you gone. And just as he'd been told about the thing, he found this ancient saint, Urban Anon, among the holy catacombs lurking. Creeping around the catacombs of St. Calixtus. I love how they emphasize how old he apparently is, so. And he anon, with never tarrying, told him his errand. And when it was told, Urban for joy his two hands did uphold. Some teardrops from his two eyes he let fall. Almighty Lord, O Jesus Christ, said he, sour of counsel chaste, heard of us all. The fruit of that same seed of chastity which thou sowed in Cecilia take to thee. Lo, like a busy bee, and without guile, thy thrall Cecilia serves thee all the while. And for that same spouse that lately wedded she, who is like a lion fierce, she sends him here, as meek as ever was a lamb to thee. And with that word anon there did appear an old, old man, clothed in all white clothes clear, who had a golden-lettered book in hand, and who before Valerian did stand. Valerian, for fear, fell down as dead. Passed right the out. When him he saw who raised him from the floor, and from his book, whereof I told, he read, One Lord, one faith, one God, with nevermore, one Christian church, one father of all to adore, above all, over all, and everywhere. These words in very gold were written there. When this was read, then said the ancient man, Do you believe or not? Say yea or nay. 
I do believe this, said Valerian. For a truer thing than this, I dare well say, under the heavens none can think nor may. Then vanished the old man, he knew not where, and Pope Urban baptized him even there. Valerian going home, Cecilia found, in chamber, wherein did an angel stand. This angel had two coronals, woven round, of roses and of lilies, in his hand. And to Cecilia, as I understand, he gave the one, and gave the other straight unto this said Valerian, her mate. With body clean and with unsullied thought, keep well these crowns forever. And then, said he, to you from paradise have I them brought, nor shall ever they fade or withered be, nor lose their perfume sweet, so you trust me. And never man shall see them with his eye, save he be chaste and hate depravity. And you, Valerian, since you so soon consented to accept the faith also, say what you will, and you shall have your boon. I have a brother, said Valerian. Oh, and in the wide world I love no man so. I pray you that my brother may have grace to know the truth as I do in his place. The angel answered, God likes your request. And both of you, with palm of martyrdom, shall come at last unto his blessed rest. Whereon his brother Tibertus was come, and when he smelled the sweet perfume that from the roses and the lilies filled the air, in heart he wondered much how came it there, and said, I wonder much, this time of year, whence comes the sweetness that arises so. I'm glad we're repeating the same thing we just read in the other couplet. Well, it was in his heart, and now it's out loud. Fine. Of Rose and Lily to my senses here, was Chaucer getting paid by the word? <laughs> no. For though I held them in my two hands, no, the savor could in me no deeper go. The gentle scent that in my heart I find has changed me to a man of another kind. Of other kind. I don't, like... I smelled some flowers, and now... We have to remember, in order to see these flowers, they have to be, like, clean of body. So that means he's a virgin, and now he's really moved by these flowers. Ah, these unicorn flowers. Valerian replied, Two crowns have we, snow white and rose red, and they're bright and fair, the which your two eyes have no power to see. And as you smell them, brother, through my prayer... So shall you see them also, brother dear, if you but will, without delay forsooth, rightly believe and know the very truth. Debertius answered, Say you this to me, in truth, or do I dream I hear all this? In dreams, replied Valerian, then, have we lived to this time, O brother mine, yes. In truth now, for the first time our life is. How know you, asked Debertius, in what wise? Valerian said, you will I now apprise. God's angel unto me the truth was taught. In which you shall see, if only you'll put by all idols and be clean, else you'll learn not. And of these crowns miraculous, say I, St. Ambrose of the two does testify. In his preface, this noble doctor dear commends the story, making it all clear. The palm of martyrdom thus to receive, the St. Cecilia filled with God's gift, the world and even her chamber did she leave. Witness Tibertius and Valerian's shrift. To whom the good God sent by angel swift, two crowns of flowers fair and sweet-smelling, and bade the angel take them as fitting. The maiden brought these men to bliss above. I don't like that. The world has learned what it is worth. Tis plain, devotion to fair chastity to love. Then did Cecilia show him and explain that every idol is a thing all vain, for they are dumb and they are deaf also. 
and charged him that his idols he forgo. Whoso believes not this, a beast he is, said then Tiberius, if I shall not lie. And then she kissed his breast. When she heard this, and was full glad that truth he could espy, this day I take you for my own ally. So said this blessed, lovely maiden dear, and after that said, as you shall hear, lo, even as the love of Christ, said she, made me your brother's wife, just in that wise I take you now, my close ally to be, since you'll forego your idols and despise, go with your brother, let them you baptize, and make you clean, so that you may behold the angel's face whereof your brother told. Tiberius answered, saying, Brother dear, first tell me where to go, and to what man. To whom, said he, come forth, and with good cheer, for I will lead you unto Pope Urban. To Urban? Brother mine, Valerian, Tiberius said, and thither will you lead. I think this is a wonderful thing indeed. Surely you mean not Urban, he cried out, who's been so often ordered to be dead, and lives in corners, dodging ever about, and dares not once by day to show his head. Is he Gollum now? What happened? <laughs> He's hiding because of the persecutions. Why, men would burn him in a fire right red. If he were found, or any him could spy, and us if we should bear him company. Company and spy don't rhyme. Company. <laughs> and while we seek for that divinity, who is in heaven where we may not see, burned in this world to ashes shall we be. To whom Cecilia answered boldly, men might well dread, and very reasonably, this life on earth to lose, my own dear brother, if this alone were living and no other. But there is a better life in other place that never shall be lost, nay, fear you not, whereof God's Son has told us through his grace, that Father, Son, all things he has wrought. And all that is has made with reason thought, the spirit which from the Father did proceed, has given soul to each, fear not indeed. By word and miracle God's only Son, when he was in this world, declared us here, there was another life that could be won. To whom replied Tiberius, Sister dear, did you not say just now in manner clear, there's but one God, the Lord in truth no less, and now to thee how can you bear witness? That I will tell, said she, before I go, just as a man has kind words of wisdom three, memory, genius, intellect also, so in one being of divinity, three persons, truly, may their right well be. Then she to him full earnestly did preach of Jesus' coming, and of his pain did teach. In many points his agony had shown how God's Son in this world a time did hold, to man a full remission to make known, who had been bound in sin and care of old. All these things to Tiberius first she told, and then Tiberius with a good intent, he with Valerian to Pope Urban went, who thanked God, and with a glad heart and light he christened them, and made them in that place, perfect in knowledge and God's very night. And after this, Tiberius got such grace that every day he saw in time and space God's angel eye and every kind of boon. He asked for God, the same was granted soon. To a hard and proper order to explain how many wonders Jesus for them wrought. But at the last, to tell it short and plain, they by the sergeants of Rome town were sought. And to Amalchius the prefect brought, who questioned them and learned their whole intent, and unto Jupiter's image had them sent. Say, 
who will not go and sacrifice, strike off his head, that is my sentence here. These martyrs then, of whom I do apprise, one Maximus, who was an officer of the prefects, and his cornicular, took them, and when the saints forth he had led, himself he wept for pity that he had. When Maximus had learned of their creed and lore, of executioners obtained he leave, and to his house he led them without more, and by their preaching, ere it came to Eve, they from the executioners did reeve, and Maximus, and from his folk each one, the false faith to believe in God alone. Cecilia came when it was fully night, with priests who christened them together there. I thought they were already christened. Why are we doing it like four times? Cause they're gonna die. I guess it's last rites or whatever. And afterward, when day came with its light, Cecilia then bade with steadfast cheer. Now Christ's own nights together, leaf and deer, the works of darkness cast you all away, and arm you in the armor of the day. You have indeed fought to the good fight. All hail! Your course is done, your faith you have preserved. Go to the crown of life that shall not fail. The righteous judge whom you have so well served will give it to you since you've it deserved. And when, as I have told, this thing was said, to make the sacrifice they forth were led. But when before the image they were brought, briefly to tell the end as it is known, not in sense and sacrifice they not, but on their knees they reverently knelt down, with humble heart and firm devotion shown, and so they lost their heads there in that place, their spirits went unto the King of Grace. This Maximus, who saw the thing betide, with pitying tears he told folk then, forthright, that he their souls had seen to heaven glide, with angels full of glory and light, and by his words converted many a white, for which Amachius had him beaten so, with whips of lead he did his life forego. Cecilia him buried with the others, Valerian and Tiberius quietly. Thus in the tomb he rested with the brothers, and after this Almachius speedily ordered his servants to fetch him openly Cecilia, that she might in his presence make sacrifice to Jove and burn incense. By Jove! By Jove! Jove is Jupiter! But since they were converted by her lore, they wept, and to a full belief they came in what she said and cried out more and more, O Christ, God's Son, whose substance is the same, Thou art very God, and blessed be thy name, who hast so good a servant thee to serve. This with one voice we say, nor will we swerve. Almachius, who heard of this same thing, commanded that they bring her to him to see. And when she came, this was his questioning, What manner of woman are you? Then asked he, I am a noble woman born, said she. I ask, said he, though to your harm and grief, of your religion and of your belief. You have begun your questions foolishly, said she, who would to answers so include. In one demand, you asked me ignorantly. Almachius answered that exactitude. Whence comes your answering so rough and rude? Whence, asked she, when that she was thus constrained, from conscience and from simple faith unfeigned. Almachius said, And do you take no heed of power I wield? And she replied like this, your might, said she, is scarce a thing to dread, for power of every mortal man but is like a bladder full of wind. Yes, for with a needle's point, when it was blown, prick it, and all the pride of it comes down. Erroneously have you begun, said he, and deep in error do you still remain. Know you not how our mighty princes free have ordered us in such error to restrain? 
that every Christian man shall suffer pain unless his Christianity he deny? He shall be free if he'll do that, say I. Your prince's heir and your nobility, Cecilia said, and with a mad sentence, condemn our guilt all guiltless though we be, and you who know full well our innocence, merely because we do our reverence to Christ and bear ourselves the Christian name, you thus impute to us a crime and blame. But we who know far better than can you, its virtue will not once the name gainsay. Omachia said, Choose one of these things too. Deny that faith or sacrifice today, that you may now escape from death that way. Whereat the holy, blessed, lovely maid began to laugh. Aha ha ha ha! And to the judge she said, O judge, convicted by your own folly, will you that I deny my innocence and make myself a criminal? asked she. Lo, he dissimulates an audience. He glares and rages in his violence. To whom, Almachius, O oh, unhappy wretch, do you not know how far my might may stretch? Did not our mighty princes to me give, I, both the power and authority, to give people death or make them live? Why do you speak so proudly then to me? I speak to you but steadfastly, said she, not proudly, for I say upon my side, we've deadly hatred for the vice of pride. And if to hear a truth you do not fear, then I will show all openly by right that you have said a full great falsehood here. You say your princes have given you the might both to condemn and give life to a white, but you can merely him of life bereave. You have no other power or other leave. You may but say your princes did declare you were death's officer if more you claim. You lie, for of more power you are bare. This bold speech drop. And then there's like a bass drop as well. Elmachius did exclaim, and do your sacrifice in God's name. I care not what you wrongfully impute, like a philosopher, I'll bear it, mute. But those same wrongs which I cannot endure are those you speak against our gods, said he. Cecilia replied, O oh, vain creature, you've nothing said since speaking first to me, that I've not learned thereby your great folly, and that you were and are in every wise an ignorant officer in vain justice. What's justice supposed to rhyme with? Wise? Just eyes. There is no proving by your outward eye that you are not blind, what can be seen by all, that it is stone, that men see well, say I. Yet that same stone a god you think and call. I charge you, let your hand upon it fall, and test it well, and twill be stone, you'll find. Since you can't see it not with your eyes blind, it is a shame that all people shall so scorn you, judge, and laugh at your folly. For commonly men know it above all, that mighty God is in his heaven high, and idols such as these they testify, may bring no profit to themselves or you, they have no power, nothing they can do. These words and many others such said she, and he grew wroth and bade she should be led home to her house. And in her house, said he, boil her in bath heated by great flames red. And as he bade, so it was done, tis said, for in a bath they locked her and began all night and day to a great fire there to fan. Then long night through, and a long day also, for all the fire and all the bath's great heat, she sat there cool and calm and felt no woe, nor did it make her any drop to sweat. But in that bath her life should she lose yet. For he, Almachius, with bad intent, to slay her in the bath his headsman sent, the executioner three times her smote upon the neck and could not strike again. 
although he failed to cut into her throat, for at that time the ordinance was plain that no man might another give the pain of striking four blows, whether soft or sore. This executioner dared do no more. But half dead with her neck cut three times there, he let her lie, and on his way he went. Bye! See ya! Christian folk that all about her were, with sheets caught up the precious blood she spent. And three days lived she in this same torment, but never ceased at all the faith to teach that she had fostered, dying did she preach. To them she gave her goods and everything, and of Pope Urban put them in the care, and said, This much I have asked of heaven's king, a respite of three days, that you might share with me the souls, and two I would prepare, before I go my house a church to make, that it be kept forever for my sake. St. Urban, with his deacons privately, the body took and buried it by night. Among his other saints, right honorably, her house is church of St. Cecilia Height. St. Urban hallowed it, as well he might, wherein noble wise unto this day, to Christ and to his saint men service pay. Here is ended the second nun's tale. <laughs> All right, well, that was a thing. That was a thing. So we have been through it. I mean, it's probably helps that we did this story in the episode before we did this, so it makes sense. Yeah. But there you go. There is the first moment in which a pope has become an actual significant figure of literature. We've had fan fiction, but now we have real literature. Hopefully you enjoyed our uh, laughing and fumbling our way through it, but hey, it's a thing. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, we read some highbrow old-timey literature and we made fun of it. And that's what we do. So if there's another pope that has shown up in literature or something special, we're going to read it for you. We'll get to the Clementine literature at some point. It's just so, 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 so much longer. And very dull. That'll come in time. But for now, if you want to catch extra bonuses, you should be on Patreon. Yeah, Patreon's great. Well, so that's the end of this bonus episode. We're not going to put any further plugs on it. So thank you and goodbye. Bye.